Welcome to the Self-Publishing Queen podcast. My name is Josiane Fortin and I'm a self-published author. I'm obsessed with helping and motivating writers to publish their books and share their gift with the world. My goal with this podcast is to inspire you to take action and be the writer you want to be. Let's go! Hello writers, I'm Josiane Fortin and today I'm so happy to be interviewing Yeva Dalbinia. She uh, is not a writer, she's a sales funnel strategist and copywriter and she's going to give us tons of advice on how to sell more books. So listening because it's going to be very interesting. So please Yeva, please tell us a little bit about you. Um, hi, I'm so happy to be here. So yeah, um, as you said, I am a sales funnel strategist and copywriter. And my mission in life and work, I guess, is to help conscious entrepreneurs work from a place of flow, not hustle. Um, personally, uh, I call myself, you know, my own little eternal experiment because I'm a total personal development junkie, which is why I love, love, love working with co coaches and authors who are also in this niche. Yeah, and I, I hope I can give your audience some really great copywriting and, and, and sales tips today. And so you told me that you live in the United States, but you come from Europe. From what country do you come from? Oh, um, I'm from a tiny, tiny little country in the Baltics called Latvia. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I grew up bilingual, well, pretty much trilingual. Um, thanks, parents. Um, and yeah, and then, then I went to college in the States and the rest is kind of history. And so you help your clients set up sales funnels. So could you explain what it is? Because some people like don't really know what funnels are and how it can be useful for self-published authors. Right. Um, so you can talk about sales funnels in a really abstract way, but I really like to break it down into, you know, what it looks like, like in a practical way. Um, so let's say you go to a website of a coach or a service provider or, or an author in this case, and down below, they have a little invitation to join their email list. These days, for somebody to join your email list, you're going to need something that's called a lead magnet or an opt-in some cool freebie they can download to then, then get on your email list. Um, then once we're, we're going to talk about, you know, potential lead magnets for authors and all of that uh, awesome. a little bit later. But yeah, I'm just, I just want to give you the structure, structure there. Then when the person downloads the lead magnet, they're usually put into what we call a welcome sequence, which is usually you know, like three to five, maybe seven emails really introducing the person to the, in this case, the author, the value they provide, their expertise, giving more value, doing all that good stuff. And then we usually, I recommend that my clients nurture their new email subscribers for a few weeks before putting them into a sales sequence, which is specifically designed to sell their book or program or product. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's, that's that in a nutshell. Somebody downloads your thing, they get on your email list, you, you nurture them, and then hopefully you get a sale. Um, it can look much more complicated than that once you bring in, for example, Facebook ads into the picture um, and, 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 and 
Uh, some people do quiz funnels where you then have like four different sequences for each quiz answer and that kind of stuff. I love doing those, but that, that's, the, that's the basic concept that you need to know. Okay. And so self-published authors would use a funnel like that so that they find potential readers. And then at the end of their sales uh, process, they would offer their book, right? Yeah, absolutely. I have also seen people, um, you know, introduce people to their book at the beginning of the funnel. And then, you know, if you're a nonfiction author, you probably have way more expertise than can be condensed into a single book. So I've seen some people offer extra services or courses down the line, you know, to increase revenue and, and do all that good stuff. Okay, so yeah, the, you, the book is the first uh, thing that you can sell if you have a strategy of selling like higher ticket items after. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in in that, that case, I would even put the book like at the end of the welcome sequence because it's a relatively low cost investment and then move forward with the higher cost investments. But your sales, wholesale funnel can also be set up to just sell the book and if you don't have any you know extra services or programs right now that's perfectly fine you can do this with just a book okay but then what do you offer as a freebie that's the big question yeah right okay so this is going to depend a little bit uh with what your main goal is for the sales funnel if you're just going to sell the book or if you have some other programs that you want to sell um Anyway, this is a little bit easier to do for nonfiction books than fiction books. I know that some of your um, audience members may be fiction writers, and we yes. can touch on that as well. Um, but for a nonfiction book, um, a lot of people have been successful with just offering the first chapter in the past. But in my opinion, if you're a lesser known author, that might not be enough to... Um, turn a person from, you know, somebody who barely knows you into, you know, a loyal reader. Um, if you're going to go that route, you can uh, mix it up by order offering them a audio recording of the first chapter um, okay. so that instead of collecting dust in their downloads folder, they can actually like listen to it on the go. Like that, that would be my recommendation there. But what I would actually like you to do if you are a nonfiction author, is take some of that information in your book and condense it down into a resource that could be really helpful for your audience. For example, a checklist of all the things that you recommend people do in your book um, or a little mini email course of let's say just five emails where a person gets um, a single email every day reminding them to do X thing. Something like that would really work wonders. And then, you know, once they see the value you're offering and see that you're well legit so to yeah. speak um, they'll be more likely to buy the book itself like the way you put it I hear like as some kind of challenge like I've been like participating in some challenges so like five over five days where you get emails where okay the, the first day you have to think about this and and so it sounds more exciting to be a give your email to be part of a challenge so that would yes. work for nonfiction. but then like we also talked about fiction like how could we like what kind yeah. of freebie can we create 
Right. Um, okay. Yeah. The challenge idea. That's, that's perfect actually. Okay. So for fiction, um, as I mentioned, you can offer the first chapter or the audio version of the first chapter. Yeah. Um, if this is not your first book and you already have a bit of a fan base and you're just trying to sell the next one, the sequel, or just, you know, a related book, I have seen people, um, giving downloadable artwork or things that are connected to the characters in the book in some way, something that people might want to, uh, you know, use and keep. Uh, for example, uh, iPhone wallpapers with your favorite character or a quote from your favorite character would work beautifully. Similarly, if you wanted to go a little bit deeper, um, you could offer some kind of a behind the scenes look at your life as an author and at, at the process of writing a book. Because okay. um, a lot of people who read fiction were actually really curious about what goes on behind the scenes and how mm -hmm. it all works. Um, so if you could create something like that, whether in video format or like a, like a little extended PDF, I think that would be amazing. All right. And then do you recommend that uh, if we want to have like a funnel and and be more serious, like, do we actually need to have a website or is that optional? Can we just run off of Facebook and have a Facebook page? Okay, so I would say something in between. I love when people have websites because I can go to their about page and really connect with them. But if you're just starting out and everything's overwhelming and you just wanna put something up, I would recommend creating a simple landing page. So not a full website, but a simple landing page with your little opt-in form and freebie. Um, you, can, you can create one for free using um, most of the common email service providers, ConvertKit, MailChimp, whatever you use, that okay. will let you create these pages and put your freebie up there and collect email addresses. Like that's what I would start with. And you yeah. don't need a domain, right? If you use, for example, MailChimp? No, no, you don't necessarily. Well, you kind of need... Okay, I'm just going to like say this as a, as a general advice for everybody who wants to be taken seriously in the business and, and publishing and, and any kind of space where you know you're in the public eye, get a domain. It is 12 bucks. It will give you an email address that is not, you know, at Hotmail something. Mm -hmm. You will look a hundred times more legit to any clients you want to talk to, any publishers you want to talk to, anything like that, get a domain. <laughs> Do you recommend that people buy a domain name that is their own name or should they kind of come up with a brand? Like what, what should they do? Um, I think for most authors, their own name really works best. Because, um, you know, you're eventually going to gain more visibility and people are going to start recognizing it and all that. Um, if you want to build something that's, that goes beyond your book and beyond who you are as a person, you can consider buying a domain name that's, that's a brand name. But honestly, if you're, if you're at the stage of like, I need to buy a domain name, get your own name, get started there, it will work. I don't even think I've ever tried to like sign up to ConvertKit or something like that without a domain name email. So yeah do it <laughs> okay so what you do when someone wants to hire you is that you ask for their password to go in into their account like how does that work oh okay so 
that's a whole process. I mean, they get a whole like brand and project questionnaire where we talk about their offer, their audience, all of that stuff. And yes, I usually want to see like if they have like email marketing experience and if they have a, an email list already, I want to go in and I want to see how it's doing, if it needs some extra nurturing, if people are opening the emails, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I will usually get the passwords for my clients' Google Analytics and my clients' uh, email marketing platforms. Okay. Yeah. And what advice would you give to someone who's looking to set up a sales funnel? Let's say they want to do it by themselves. Like where, what, where should they start? Like it just sounds like so technical. Like what should they do? Yeah. So the lead magnet that, that we talked about, that's really the most important piece because in 2020 and beyond, no one's going to join your email list just because, or very, very few people are going to do that. So you need to give them an incentive and a good one at that. Um, so if you only have like the brain space to do a couple of things, I would create the lead magnet and create the opt-in page and write a single welcome email that says, you know, hi, I am this person. I'm so happy you're here. This is what you can expect. Like that's the, that's the super basic version of it. And from there on out, you write more emails. You, you know, add to that welcome sequence, start nurturing them, sending them cool stuff, and eventually ask for that sale. Uh, do you include the link for the download directly on the welcome email? Um, yes. Uh, some people, um, some uh, email marketing platforms will ask you if you want to send the person directly to your PDF, for example. Do not do that. Make them go to your email, confirm the subscription, and you know actually read that email you send them. So they actually like develop a bit of a personal connection. Yeah. Okay. Great advice. And do you have like also copywriting advice to, uh, that you would give to authors? Because it's probably different to write like copywriting versus writing a book, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, the first thing that I would like everyone to remember is like the, one of the main copywriting rules, it's clarity over cleverness. Um, I have, you know, tried writing some fiction myself before and, and done that kind of stuff. And I know it's tempting to be clever and cute and, and fun with your words and stuff like that. And that's great when you're writing a book. It's not so great when you're writing sales copy. Um, so make sure that everything is clear and that a that a person who's never met you before, who has no idea what you're about, can easily understand who you are, what you do, and how you can help them, and how your book can help them. Um, another thing I would say is if you are you know, creating your own website, if you're creating that landing page, whatever it is, spend 80% of your writing time on the headlines and subheads. Body copy, some people will read it, most people won't. Um, most people will just scan it. So if you're gonna agonize over anything, agonize over the headlines, which again is, is not what you do with a book, it's kind of the opposite. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then like, what advice would you give for great headlines? What makes a great headline? Um, specificity is one. Um, another thing, is speaking the language of your reader, uh, which is something I really emphasize in my research when I do research for clients. Um, if you can, 
try to create like an ideal reader avatar for yourself um, and try to figure out where they hang out. For a lot of people, especially if they're nonfiction writers, a lot of their ideal clients actually hang out in Facebook groups these days. And you can actually go um, inside the Facebook group and, and search for phrases related to the book you're writing or have written and see how people, what words people are using to you know, describe their problems and, and struggles and all of that. The best headlines are often like ripped verbatim from like a Facebook post. Um, yeah, something similar we do is called Amazon review mining, where we will actually go and look at reviews for books in, in you know, a client's niche whether a coach or, or a service provider or something like that. And we'll actually look at, especially the negative reviews um, to see how people are actually, you know, talking about their struggles. So if you can do that, if you can really understand how people talk, you're going to be able to write great headlines that actually make people go, Oh, wait, how did you know that? That's totally <laughs> me. <laughs> okay. So, you look what they, how they describe their problems and then you kind of copy that. So that A little using, bit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, So totally. you're using the right words in their language and then they'll, they'll identify with that. Yeah, yeah. Because there's, I know that a lot of um, nonfiction authors sometimes feel like they have to use a lot of jargon and stuff like that um, when they're writing. But in fact, their ideal reader does not talk like that they speak very plainly and we really want to find those words that they use to talk about their problems and put them there. Like, don't be afraid to literally steal like a part of an Amazon review for some type of book. That's perfectly fine. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> so those would be headlines like yeah. where you find the gold. Yeah. That's, that's the gold. Okay. Yeah. And any other advice that you have about like sales funnel? Like how can we increase sales as authors? Um, I would say remember the rule of one when it comes to any piece of copy you create for your sales funnel, whether it's your landing page, a single email, stuff like that. The rule of one states one reader, one offer, one call to action. The biggest mistake that I pe see people Wow, that I see people make uh, when they're trying to sell, when they're not used to selling, is overwhelming their reader, their audience, their subscriber with 70 different links and types of action they can take. Because they feel like, oh, if I give them just something, anything, well, they must click on something um, yeah. here. One call to action per email, one call to action per page. Um, no matter how much you want to add more don't do it unless it's your home page your home page on your website is the only exception to this rule everything else one main idea one call to action okay so if we offer a buffet of options what mostly what is most likely to happen is that people will get confused and they won't buy anything is that what you mean yeah, it's analysis paralysis. They'll see like three different links they can click on and be like, I have to choose now. I don't have enough brain power to choose. Oh my God, let me click out of this email or, okay. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, if you keep it really simple, they'll just say yes or no to that. 
so it's easier for them to decide. Yeah, pretty much. Keep it simple, straightforward, clear. You'll be just fine. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. And other advice that you have? Um, no, but if you have any questions about uh, what we've talked about, I'm happy to answer them. All right. I do have one other question like about copywriting. Where do we use that copywriting? Do we use it on the blurb on Amazon to describe your book? Like where, where is it useful to use copywriting versus like regular writing that we use in the book? Um, like on the website, wouldn't I use like the, my style of writing or should I use copywriting? Right. So, you know, copywriting doesn't have to be that different from your general style of writing. Um, when I work with clients, I always make sure that their voice really shines through whatever we're doing. Um, copywriting simply gives you the tools to actually sell. So I would say pretty much anywhere that is not inside your book or inside your program or course is where you use copywriting. It's, it's really everywhere from your website to your Amazon blurb to um, even like your checkout page when, when somebody's pur purchasing your book. Um, that's copy. But copy doesn't, it doesn't have to be salesy or sleazy or anything like that. It's just mm -hmm. your writing elevated a little bit to appeal to people and, and bring out, you know, the psychological things that make them say yes. Yeah. What are those? Like, I want to hear all the tips, like what makes all the tips. Say yes. <laughs> all the tips. I think like the biggest... specific words that people really like or things like that, because you talked about the rule of one, which is one of yeah. the tips, but like any, I've heard like sometimes you can use specific words that people want to want to buy more. Um, okay, so I would generally stay away from like the school of copywriting that says use these words and people will buy more immediately, like psychological triggers, etc, etc. Like sure, that runs in the background, but what we really want to do with any type of copy is develop a personal connection with the reader, which is why just using random words that are supposed to increase your conversions doesn't work. That's why I, I said the thing about going and researching like the words and the language that your audience uses to talk about their problems. Uh, because if you can like literally put their own words in front of them, they will immediately see you as somebody who, who gets them, like really, really gets them. Um, one tip, uh, I guess, copywriting trick that not a lot of people use, um, actually talking about headlines, when you have actually researched this language and you have, you know, a sentence that describes somebody's problem, that's like, I never thought I could do X. Um, you can actually put little quotation marks around it um, and put it as a headline and people will see it as more trustworthy in a sense. It doesn't have to be like a real quote from a client that you have. But putting something in quotation marks automatically makes people pay attention and makes it seem more legit. Okay, <laughs> so, like it was like some kind of testimonial or... Yeah, yeah, anything oh, like that. I love that. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anything so just, in, in quotation yeah. marks will draw the eye and, and then make people go like, hmm, so somebody said that. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Really good. 
And uh, let me know if people want to know more about you, if they want to hire you, where can they find you online? Um, sure. So my website is just my first name and last name. It's evadalbin.com. Um, and if you go to evadalbin.com slash freebie, I have a little launch slash sales funnel copy checklist that might help you figure out where you need to start with all, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, it's a Google Doc. I'm always updating it. So you can check in and, and see what's new and all that. Yeah. Awesome. I'll make sure to share the links in uh, the show notes. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you loved what you heard, be sure to share it with me by leaving me a review. If you are ready to publish your book, let me take your hand in my course, How to Self-Publish on Amazon. I will show you every step you need to take to successfully go through the publishing process on the platform. Keep on writing!